Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. If we are a believer in Christ, if we call ourselves a disciple of Christ, we are called into full-time ministry. And I'm not talking about vocational ministry. I'm not talking about being on staff at a church somewhere, although that may be the case. But I'm talking about living a life that draws others to Him. You have a sphere of influence that nobody else in the entire world has a relationship with some of those people that God has placed in your life. And so I want us to be asking the Lord to place a burden on our hearts to reach some of those people. We can't reach everybody, but there are some that we can reach. And so in the coming days and weeks ahead, I want us to intentionally be prayerful about who are those people that I can invest, in, invest into, their lives, bringing in the hope and the truth, maybe introducing them to Jesus. So we are in this series, Prepare. And uh, we're probably coming up to the end of the series. I'm not quite sure yet. But we've talked about at the beginning of the year, we began to talk about fasting. We talked about the changes in our, in, the, in our world and how we can navigate through those changes. We talked about vision. Fasting changes our spiritual vision to align with God's heart. And then we talked about action. What has God called us to do? Um, last week, Pastor Christine taught on now, and I want to thank her for that awesome teaching. She did a great job. And uh, I know that you guys have taken the, the lesson and the word and uh, let that resonate in your hearts and lives. And today we'll talk about more. But before I really get into... Uh, today's message, I want to talk a little bit about our core scripture, our mission, and our vision. I try to talk about it every six or eight weeks just to remind us what God has called us to. And so our core scripture is found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I want us to think about these scriptures. I know that we've heard our core scripture numerous times, but I want us to think about it today, maybe with a fresh perspective and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And these are the gifts Christ gave. Man, I don't want to re repel or reject any of the gifts that Christ has given to me, to us. And so he's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And there's a, a, a a doctor that I, I go see on occasion for my a regular checkup, and we've had numerous discussions, and, and he said, well, I don't believe there are apostles and prophets today. I said, well, are there evangelists, pastors, teachers? Maybe they're next on the chopping block. But these are gifts that Christ gave to the church for us. Paul goes on to write, their responsibility, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So secondly, is the church still in existence today? It is. And so we are to be equipped as God's people to do his work that he's called us to do and build up the church. We are the church. Paul goes on to write, this will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that would be Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we know that this, this walk and this life in Christ is a progressive thing, that God is working in our hearts, that we're a work in progress. But as we're moving through this process, as God is uh, infusing our lives and our heart and bringing changes, God is also using us to impact the lives of people around us. And so my burden today is, are we reaching out to those people that God has placed in our lives? Um, I want to continue beyond our core scripture in Ephesians um, 4, 14 through 16. And th these are the results of the gifts that Christ has given us and what he's called us to do. Then we will no longer be immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's a lot of uh, different gospels, let me say it that way, going on in the church and the body of Christ. We've all heard about the prosperity message, and you know we hear different things. And uh, there are so many people that I believe today still don't understand that we're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. Because there seems to be this perception or, or context that we, we still have to work to earn our salvation. And when God says that we're his masterpiece, we're his prized possession, I think that we need to be reminded of that. And I think some people still, even though they've heard it maybe dozens or hundreds of times, they still struggle with that. Because we live in such a performance-based society. And God hasn't called us to perform. He's called us to be transformed into the image of Christ. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I love this scripture. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly with our quirks, our issues, our giftings. Our talents, our personalities. That's a God thing. That He can make us all fit together. See, we need one another. I need you, and you need me. And that's why the, the, the local church is so important. Because we need one another to fulfill individually and corporately what God has called us to do. He makes the whole body fit together. Not casually or imperfectly but perfectly as each part as each one of us does its own special work god has given us a a corporate mandate you know that we all come into relationship with him and he's given us an individual calling that we come into this personal intimate relationship with him but he's given each of us gifts and callings and influence and spheres of influence that we can work together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what I sense here, love. Wow. Our mission statement, you guys know it, it's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's the target. And to break that down as we have before, to, to develop, is to, to introduce those that don't know Christ into this wonderful relationship and to provide a fertile, healthy environment for us to continue to grow. So we do that through life groups, through Sunday mornings, through interactions with one another throughout the week. So we're developing this relationship, and then we're maintaining it. And these are four ways that we talk about prayer, knowledge of the Word, so whenever you come here or you come to a life group, you're going to be getting the Word because the Word says of itself it will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. So anytime we're getting the Word, God, Jesus is the Word, and He's doing something in our life. So prayer, knowledge of the Word, but also application of the Word. Not just knowing the Word intellectually, but let, knowing it in our heart, letting it transform our life. So prayer. Knowledge of the word, application of the word, community with other believers. Because we, as we just read, we need one another. We all impart and invest into one another. Because nobody knows it all. Nobody has it all. But we are all uh, able to impart to each other. And then model is really just serving. Math, uh, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gave us a mandate. He said, I've been given all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you. Know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. So God has given us a call and a mandate, not just that we get saved and go to heaven, but he's given us a job to do. He's given us the opportunity. We partner with him. He could do it on his own. He doesn't need us. But he says, hey, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing throughout the whole earth. So when we look at our, our mission to develop, maintain, maintain a model, it's not a circle, just going around in a circle. But it's more like a 
cinnamon roll develop, maintain, and model? How many of you are hungry for a cinnamon roll right now? <laughs> and it keeps expanding. As we model, we're continuing, continuing to be developed and maintaining that connection with the Lord. And then we're living it. We're modeling it. And it's just an ongoing process as God is working through our hearts and lives and transforming us to be more like him. And then the vision or the results of the, this mission to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ is going to lead us to our, our goal or the vision to impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. Because when we're so infused with him, when we have this personal, intimate relationship with him, it's not, uh, it's not categorized in my relationship with the Lord, my work relationship, my family. It's all in one box. And, and we can't help but share the hope and the love of Christ with others. And we, as a church, are not only impacting our community, but the world around us. You know, every, every month we send $1,000 to the work of bringing the gospel to the people in Israel. Every month. And there are other ministries that we invest in. One ministry travels all over the world. And they are bringing the Christ-centered message to not hundreds, but tens of thousands of pastors who are coming into alignment with this Christ message, not the, the exported uh, prosperity message that we've exported and all these other things. And so these tens of thousands of pastors are influencing millions of lives. They're changing not only countries, but continents. I heard recently that I think there are like 40,000 pastors in Ghana alone that are part of this training and equipping. That's just one nation. One little piece of one continent. And we get to be a part of that. The sunrise service coming up in a few weeks at the Chemo Boardwalk. There'll be hundreds of people there where we're investing into the lives of the people there that are hurting they need Jesus. And we get to see God do some amazing things and be a part of that. So I just wanted to touch base on that this morning and just have us really ask the Lord what He wants us to do because next week you're going to have the opportunity to go out and live it. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, this is an, a, an atypical service for us. And so while we're being atypical, uh, I wanted to uh, let you know that we have Pastor David Vestal here with us today and his lovely wife, Dana. And you may remember that, uh, that Pastor David came last summer. Uh, when I was on my sabbatical, and he taught, he taught master, masterfully, he taught excellently, masterfully, on uh, on Psalm 23, and uh, I thought it would be really nice just to to kind of take a break from the norm and just have him share a little bit about ministry. Pastor David has he's, he started a church and he's been a senior pastor. Um, he was a police officer. He was a uh, uh, a top four, he had a top 40 hits on, on the radio as a musician and writer and uh, artist. And he's got a lot of experience in ministry. And, and I thought it would be good just to, to have him share today some of his experiences and talk about ministry because he has a lot of wealth and understanding about how we can live this thing out, how we can uh, apply what God has given to us, the gifts that he's given to us, as we go out and live it and share the hope and the love of Christ with others. So would you please welcome Pastor David Vestal. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Wow, it's so good to have you here in the house, and uh, it's been a few months since you were here. How many people are here this morning? Raise your hand. (laughs) Some of you hadn't shown up yet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're getting a little boom on the mic up here. Okay, thanks. Uh, So we were talking last night. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, and uh, you had mentioned that you had an encounter with Jesus, uh, I think, at, at some point in time, would would you like to share a little bit about that, or if, if sure. not, that maybe no, something else? Yeah, absolutely. I I grew up saved. I, I got saved when I was nine years old, and uh, I remember ministering and witnessing to my friends that were there around that age. But at age nineteen, my my whole world came apart. I found out I was adopted at nineteen. That was oh. news, and uh, my parents ended up getting a divorce that same year. And there was just a lot of things that hit me that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't mature enough to handle. Mm. And ended up going towards the world to try to, to bury my pain. So we say that I spent uh, two years when I was 19 and 20 working on my testimony. <laughs> Can you relate? Yeah. So I worked on a lot of stories to be able to tell. But uh, in, in that time, I did. I, I, um, I tried just about everything that the world had to offer from success, money, uh, there was one year that I owned six different brand new cars. Wow. Can you imagine how much money you lost by trading those things in? Because I just thought that <laughs> one's going to make me happy. That one's going to make me happy. Uh, yeah. But just continued to search for happiness. And I just remember uh, 1983, it was 4th of July weekend, and I had, I had crossed some personal boundaries of mine. I, I I played semi-professional softball at the time and just missed a game, just some things that I messed up. And I'm just laying on the bed that night just frustrated with myself. Mm. It's just like, you have gone too far, David. And I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've, I've taken it this far, and I'm just asking you to come and take over because I'm done. Mm. And I rolled off the bed and hit my knees. There was no lightning. You know, there was no thunder or anything like that. Um, and we would go out uh, clubbing every weekend. A friend of mine had a limousine. Mm. We, we clubbed in style, right? So, <laughs> uh, so th- this, was on a, 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 I guess this was on a Sunday night that this happened. Then the following Friday, he shows up. We jump in the limousine. We go out to a club. And I remember walking into that club, and I was physically sick to my stomach when I walked in there because I was changed. Mm. I remember telling the guy at the door, the bouncer, I said, man, just, just tell my guys I'm gone. And, and I just turned from that, that place and never went back. And, you know, when you give your life over to the Lord like that, you swear off everything, right? No more, no more drinking, no more girls, no more partying. And that was a Friday. So the, the following Sunday, uh, I snuck into our church service on Sunday night. You know, I figured that the building was going to collapse when I walked in. So I got <laughs> to the very back, and I remember... Looking up, very small church. We probably had 25, 30 people in there. And, and I'm just nervous about what I'm doing there and what the Lord's doing with me. And I look up and I see this girl. She's probably four rows in front of me. And I, I just remember to this day, she had on a white top and black pants. And she looked really good from behind. And I just put my head down like, no, Lord, I'm not, I'm not doing that. No, no. And uh, now I've been married to her for 37 years. Amen. Amen. Well, thank, thank you for sharing. Uh, you've had a lot of life experiences as a cop. I, I, I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, you, you started a church. Uh, you've been a senior pastor. You're, you're now on staff at Gateway Church in South Lake, part of the network. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that process, maybe some of the things that God used through those experiences to sh- help shape you. And, and by the way, if, if it only took two years to build your testimony, that's pretty good. It's taken some of us a lot longer than that. You know, maybe, maybe I'm a slow learner. But, uh, but yeah, if you could talk a, a little bit uh, in regards to the shaping process or how that happened. Yeah, um, I'm trying to figure out how to do it quickly because you're talking about four different lives. You know, when you look okay, back and yeah. live, like, <laughs> well, that was that life, this life, yeah. this life. So I... Uh, Dana and I got married in 1986, and um, I didn't have a job, actually, when we got married. I don't know if you remember, in 1986, the oil industry had crashed, and I was working for an oil company. So I needed a job, got on the police department, uh, spent five years in patrol. I spent a year in uh, violent crime task force, 
spent four years in undercover organized crime. So did 10 years there. But I, I've been shot at, beat up, spit on, cussed out, run over, and stabbed. <laughs> but I never really got hurt till I got in the ministry. Oh, right? yeah. Can I, can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ministry's always been a passion of ours. Even when we got married, I was a youth pastor at a church, and so we, we were youth pastors together. And uh, then put, the, put that ministry on hold for my, my police work. But then in police work, because I was a police officer, churches would ask, you know, would you come and, and sing or come and, and minister to our youth group? So I, I love that. But, um, you know, Western television portrays uh, the undercover police officer as extremely dangerous, right? You, if, you, if you watch any of those NCIC or one of those things with letters in them, I, I don't know what they <laughs> all are, but uh, that always shows that the undercover police officer is the most dangerous in reality is um, there were 17 police officers, Dallas police officers, killed while I was there. And 14 of them were in patrol. Wow. So that kind of tells you where the danger is. It's in yeah. patrol. But there is a tremendous amount of spiritual <clears throat> cartilage and danger in undercover work. And so you can't go out there and roll around in the mud and come home and hug your family and think they're not going to get muddy. Mm. So I was very successful at that point in time as, as a recording artist. I was successful as a police officer. I was, I was very successful at everything but being a husband and a father. Mm. Because you can get so busy trying to be successful in your career, especially if that's your identity, yeah. uh, that you forget about your, your true calling to be a husband and to be a father. So in 1997, I just quit. I mean, I didn't know how to get off the train. I didn't know how to retire. I just jumped off. And I had been doing bodyguard for um, a, a family, a very wealthy family. And uh, they asked me to come on and, and be full-time, oversee all of the police officers they had there. So I did bodyguard work for a billionaire a couple of years. And in that transition, really started getting more and more involved in the local church. And uh, had a small group at our house um, that I just fell in love with because it was the first time I think I got to see the same people every single week. You know, because when you're traveling and you're going around doing concerts or whatever, you don't ever see the same people. And you can fool them. Mm. You know, I could come in here on, on, a, on a regular basis, maybe a couple of times a year, and make you guys think I'm doing great because you don't know. Yeah. But when you can sit there in front of somebody week after week, look into their eyes, you kind of know. And I just fell in love with pastoring people at that point in time. Just them calling me on, me calling them on. You said, is iron sharpens iron? And I went to the pastor of the church and I said, I, I don't necessarily need to be on a platform any longer. I just want to minister and love, love people. So they hired me as a strategist pastor to help the church grow. Then our small group in our house, I'm going really fast, I promise. Our small no, group in our sorry. house kept getting not so small. And uh, they said they wanted to plant a church out there. And I said, well, if you guys do, Dana, and I would love to be a part of it. And they said, well, we want you to be the senior pastor. I said, I don't want to be that much of a part of it. <laughs> uh, and so even though I trusted my oversight and I trusted those men, this was something I had to hear from yeah. God myself. And we were in Denver, Colorado, or excuse me, Colorado Springs. And uh, it's clear is I can hear God's voice. He said, David, there's a lot of churches that use the community to grow their church. But there's not a lot of churches that use the church to grow the community. Mm. Would you be my guy? Yeah. And I, I still get emotional because it was a call. It was something God put on me. And we spent the next 15 years using every piece of influence we had to bless that community. I, became, I was on the city council, baseball commissioner, and because I want to say this right. I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't care about my church, but I didn't care about growing a big church. I didn't care about my reputation necessarily as a senior pastor of a mega church or anything like that. I honestly and truthfully cared about the community and the people there. And so we poured our lives into it, and God blessed it. And it, it grew to several thousand people. And um, that, was a, that was an experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't well, know how far you want me to go. No, right no. I, I just want you to share what's on your heart. Uh, uh, they, they get to hear me every Sunday, almost every Sunday. So uh, same message, different voice. Yeah. You know, sometimes really 
has an impact. Um, I, I love that that your heart is for people, and uh, I think sometimes churches miss that. I think sometimes Christians maybe we miss that. We miss that that this is about this relationship with the Lord individually and then corporately. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love that. It, it's interesting when you really just, you, you make a commitment. We were singing a song there. You make a commitment to say, God, from this point on, it's not about me. I think I talked to you guys about that a little bit last time I was here at Psalm 23. And you just do what, what God asks you to do. Just do what's in front of you. And as I go back and I look at all my lives, you know, hmm. um, I was blown away that God would ask me to help influence a church in my very first assignment. It was like, you're asking me to help grow an entire church. That's just, that's beyond me. I don't know how to do that. And then he led me to a point, and none of this was my doing, that he allowed me to help grow a, a community, you know, a city. And I just thought, I'll die here. This is where, I mean, go ahead. And, and I had people tell me, you're, this is where God's called you to be. You're going to be here the rest of your life. Go ahead and get your gray plots. This is where you're <laughs> going to be, honestly. Wow. And so I thought that's where I was going to be. And then God began to move us out of that. And that was a very, 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 did I say very? Very difficult move for us because we could only see what was in front of us, but we trusted God. So I went from a church to a city to God was moving me into the position that I am today to where now I get to travel and help elevate the health of the body of Christ throughout the United States. Mm. And it started off yeah. with just a little bitty church. And now we're in conversation about planning churches and putting networks around globally. Wow. And I'm just a, I'm just a podunk country boy from Louisville, Texas. <laughs> you know, honestly. But what my, my heart is telling you is that just do, be, be faithful with the people that God puts in your hands. I, I never want us to get too far away from this right here. God values these people so much. I mean, think about how much he values them to the extent that he gave everything he had. He, he gave his life for them. He died, not, not just a, a natural death. He died a brutal death on the cross, and that shows how much he loves these people. And then for some crazy reason, he turns around and says, now, would, would you steward them? Would you disciple them? Wait, wait a minute, God. You're trusting me with the most valuable possession in your life? <laughs> yes. You're off your rocker. I can't. I don't know how. To, I don't know how to file that. But the but the the daunting task that God puts on us. I just never want that to leave my my heart. That I don't like the guy across the street. He frustrates me. You know. I sometimes I I just don't like him. But God died for him. Yeah. And God put me right there and says, "Would you would you minister to him?" And and it's hard sometimes. I mean, I this world that we live in, guys. Right. Am I, am I just being too transparent here? It's difficult. So I, was in a, I was going through a McDonald's drive-thru the other day. Yes, I eat at McDonald's sometimes. Forgive me. <laughs> but if you've ever gone through, you know, you, you come to the first thing and you order. Yeah. You, you make your order, and then you go to the first window and you pay, and then you go to the second window and you get your food. So I ordered and then pulled up, and the guy ordered behind me, but I was on my phone texting or something, and I didn't see that the line had moved up. You know how you do when you get old. You don't pay attention. And the guy behind me just started honking. He's just laying on his horn mad at me. And I'm like, oh, that's just rude. So when I got up to the window, I paid for my food, and I paid for his food. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, before you get excited. <laughs> so then when I got up to get my food, I presented my receipt, and I presented his receipt. I took my food and his food, and I just drove off. It was just like... <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome. That's not necessarily ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there more to that, maybe? <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Uh, uh, well, okay, we're going to uh, pray now.
Uh, pray for David, uh, Pastor David. Uh, no, I have, uh, on, on a regular occasion, I have Tom moments, transparent, authentic, and honest, since where I share things from my life that are not necessarily, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's yeah, good. I mean, I, we're sitting in this room here, you know, right now, and you're, you're the senior pastor of this church. I'm your friend and here to serve. But we're, we're, no, we're not special. Yeah. I mean, neither one of us are special. I got sin running out my fingernails, you know. It's just we, we're, we're not. I mean, I mean, honestly, I am confounded sometimes when I'm speaking or ministering that God would use somebody as pitiful as me. But he does. Yeah. Part of the miracle. It's part of the story. He doesn't need to. Yeah. He doesn't need you. God doesn't need anything. But he says, I, I want to. I want to do this with you. I want to see people get healed. I want to see people get saved. I want to see lives transformed. And, and I want you to be a part of it. And I don't get that because I am not even close to being worthy to, to be a part of ministry. But my goodness, what a, what a great opportunity to see God move in somebody's life right? And we don't make disciples from a platform. You talked about making disciples earlier. You know, uh, we, we don't make disciples from a platform. We make disciples in relationship. Yeah. One-on-one, one-on-two, those yeah. types of things. And so my whole entire life, I've had one individual that I met when I was 12 years old. He taught me how to pray. Uh, he taught me how to fast. He, he taught me how to to do music. He taught me how to be a father, to be a husband. But I learned a large part of what my ministry is and who I am just spending time with him. I'd, I'd go to his apartment. We'd sit for hours, you know, and just talk about what the Lord's doing in our lives. And I am 61 years old. He's 68, and I still go to him. You know, tell me what to do about this situation. Because discipleship is a journey, it is not a destination. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his ministry, he says, I've yet to attain, therefore I press on. So if Paul didn't arrive, the chances of us on Super Bowl Sunday is pretty slim as well, right? (laughs) So there's not a destination that we're trying to get to. It's a journey. And discipleship is, is to me, uh, my, my opinion, and everybody has different definitions, but discipleship is someone that is moving so that's present tense action verb someone that is moving towards christ Mm -hmm. so if you're on this discipleship journey you're moving towards christ you're always growing you're always looking for that more intimate moment intimacy you guys have that in your vision your mission statement intimacy means into me Mm -hmm. you know if i want to be intimate with my wife intimacy is a part of us i want to get more of her into me and me into her i want to get more of christ into me right yeah and so that's part of discipleship so i'm being discipled at 61 years old i'm also discipling people helping move them towards a more personal relationship with christ a more intimate relationship with christ how can i help you get more of christ into you intimacy does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But we sometimes, I'm sorry, I'm starting to preach. Just no, no, slow no, me no. down, okay? No, 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 you're, you're good. I get up and start you're moving good. around, you're good. just pull me back you're down. Good. We sometimes get um, foggy, a foggy vision, because go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Be gone. There's the door. It's like, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Right? And so the best advice I've ever had about ministry, and I want to really, with your permission, challenge you guys in this. Um, and anything that I say that's met, you just fix it after I leave. Don't make me look bad while I'm here. You're but good. bring discipleship down to the nitty gritty. I would ask you, as I've asked my guys, my friends, I asked my pastors, I've done it in my church, to pray and say, God, Who is in my garden for the next six months? In other words, and and if you have a full-time job and you you have things going on in your life, you're looking for maybe four to five people max. If you got three couples, okay, there's six people. But you're not looking for a whole lot of people in here. You're just saying, for the next six months, God, who have you brought to me that I'm to pour my life into? 
with the caveat that after six months, you're going to tell them to go do the same thing. Go ask them to go find somebody, three or four people, they can pour their life in for the next six months. See, that, that gets it down to really, okay, can I do that? Can I help this couple be a better marriage? Can I help them get Christ into their finances? Can I help them get Christ into their children for just six months? Who is in your garden? You and your family come into agreement with that. And you spend the next six months pouring your life into them. And then they turn around and they do it. And if, and if we're only 25 to 50% successful, this church will be tripled next year. You get that? And so instead of going, I want to be a witness, I want to go to Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world, what kind of <clears throat> event can we do? Just find out who God has put in your life right now and pour your life into them and watch that seed begin to grow and to begin to culminate and watch what God does through them, right? So I just really, I, I have a passion for that to say, God, I want to be faithful and I want to be a good steward with the people you give me. Now, I'm, I'm going to minister wherever I go that I have an opportunity. I get that. Ministry and discipleship can go hand in hand, but they can also be different. I can see someone in the grocery store and say, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? And they may say, well, funny you should ask. I just got diagnosed with cancer. This happened to me at a Walmart a while back. I'm like, are you serious? Yep, my wife died, died of it two years ago, and I just got diagnosed of it. And he just starts crying. Well, that's my moment to minister, correct? But he's not necessarily in my garden. Mm -hmm. See? You know, I got, I, I got these other guys. I got Eddie Freeman that's in my garden. I got other people that are in my garden that I, I do things with on a regular basis. I teach them how to read, how to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm going around in circles now. No, that's, that's kind of the difference between ministry and discipleship, for sure. Uh, Ephesians 4, you, you alluded to that, says that, that the church is here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. You got that? So the church is here to equip the saints. So if you're a leader in this church or if you're a pastor on staff, uh, your job, like Pastor Mark's job, 40 to 50 hours a week, like that's all you work, I know. But 40 to 50 hours a week, if he works more than that, don't tell on him now. I'll get on to him later. But his job is to equip. His job is not to do ministry as a pastor in this church. Now, before you throw something, okay, his job as a Christian he, he ministers. He still goes to hospitals. He still prays for people. He still shares his faith. I've been out in public with him. He's constantly sharing, but he does that as a Christian. As a pastor, his job is to equip saints to do the ministry, to do the work of the ministry. So sometimes people will come to me as a pastor in my church and say, hey, we've got an apartment complex over here. We want to start an outreach over there, and I think it would be great if we did that. I'm like, I am all in. What do you need to get it done? And what do they say? No, no, not me. We want you to do it, Pastor. That's not my job. My job is to find out what God's put in your heart. And every one of you in this room, God's put in your heart to equip you and empower you to do what God's called you to do and to be who God's called you to be. Maybe it's just with four or five people. Can you think about the guy that, that, that answered that call and ministered to Billy Graham? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, know, you don't even know who his name is. But you think he's got a little bit of fruit when he gets to heaven? <laughs> he, he, his obedience literally changed millions and millions of people's lives. So, Yeah, that's so good. That's so good, Pastor David. Uh, I, I think that there is kind of this stigma that the pastor does the ministry. And, and uh, man, I'm, I know because I worked in industry for a long time that the marketplace ministry is so incredibly vital because each one of you have an influence with people that nobody else has. Each one of you have relationships with people that, uh, the, what is it, six billion people in the world. Nobody else has that same insight, relationship with. And so God has called each and every one of us to, to reach into the lives and look for those opportunities where we can stop and pray or you know, maybe we don't even stop and pray. Maybe we just pray for them as we're walking by. I can remember just walking down the hall at work and saying, God, go get them. Lord, just pour into their lives. Lord, reach into their heart of hearts. And uh, I remember this one guy that I was praying for. 
I'm not being judgmental here, but or not intending to be judgmental, but I don't think he was saved. And I remember one day being so impressed to stop and go down this little side hallway and pray for Lee. And I said, God, I, I pray for him. I pray for his marriage. I pray that you would work in his heart and life because I sensed a man that was hurt and angry. And I said, Lord, I pray that one day he'll be a pastor. And I'm like, wow, where did that come from? I get on Facebook one day, and he's pastoring a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so God uses us in ways he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or even think sometimes and so marketplace ministry where you are in your neighborhood in your job in your school the store you shop at we have such great opportunities so i'm so glad you shared that because sometimes we need to understand that we're all in ministry full-time ministry it's not from 10 to 11 15 yeah, and, and you know, Jesus says he'll go with us. You, you shared that scripture. Um, there's at least two people in here right now that the Lord's even showed me who they are. Um, so now I get your attention. Ah. <laughs> that you've been praying for something for a long time, and you have seen no results. And God wants you to know that every time you've been praying, something's been happening. And you're about to see your prayer answered in the physical you have to understand that, just like Pastor Mark was talking about, when you pray, you don't see sometimes what's going on in the supernatural. But every time you pray, something happens. I had a guy that I grew up with. His name is Harry. Oh, my goodness. It's not that he was going to hell. It's like he had a bulldozer digging to try and get there as quick as possible. This guy was just... <clears throat> The, the wires didn't quite connect. You know, all he wanted to do was just party, 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 and just almost killed himself. And I prayed for him 20 years, maybe, something like that. I mean, every time I prayed for him and I'd see him again, he was worse. He just, he was worse. I'm like, I got to stop praying. I'm going to kill him just by praying for him, you know? And he comes to me after one Easter a weekend. He says, hey, man, I want to talk to you about something. I said, well, what's up, Barry? He said, man, I, I went to church. Well, I almost fell out. I almost had a heart attack because he told me he went to church. It was just like, I, no, I, did, the, did it burn down? What happened when you went in there? And, and uh, he said, no, I went to church. And I go, man, that is awesome. He goes, and, and at the end, I went down there and I took care of everything. I said, wait, wait a minute. What, 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 what do you mean you took care of everything? And he does this. He goes, I, I, I said a prayer. And ask Jesus to come into my life. And as crazy as he was about getting to hell, he ain't changed. That's how crazy he is about getting you to heaven. Amen. I mean, he, he wow. lives his life that way. He's, he's you, he, you can go on Facebook and you'll just laugh at him. I mean, the, the wires still don't quite connect, but he is, he's crazy. He's crazy for Jesus. And I never saw anything change in his life until that moment when it was like, bam. So, Think of obstacles. If we lined up chairs between me and him, and he's a father, and I'm his son, he's praying for me, and all these obstacles are keeping me from Christ. Every time he prays, one of those things are moved. One of them are moved, and there may be 20 or 30 of them, but every time he prays, something happens. I, I don't physically see, he doesn't see me getting any better, but something happens. Something happens. And all of a sudden, one day, you see it. And it's a, it's a glorious moment to think that you spent 20 years in that process of praying for that person. So do not stop praying. Do not stop ministering. Do not stop believing because he is large and in charge and he is on his throne. And those of you that you, you've come in here today, you're a little frustrated. You're like, I don't see any change. I'm confused even. I'm here to tell you, a little country boy from Louisville, Texas, that God's got a hold of this, and you're going to see your prayer answered. Amen. Amen. We, we sing a song, and I'm sure you guys do too. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God is working. God is moving in ways that we, we may not ever see or understand. But, uh, hey, it's not, it's not up to us to understand it's simply up to us to obey and do what he's asked us to do it's just it, to me I, I, I stay 
I've said this a little bit earlier, but every one of you in this room, honestly, you're as qualified, if not more qualified than I am to be used for God. You really are. The only, the only difference sometimes in me and someone else, not you, but someone else is that I'm just willing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can, you can, we can get so lost in our patheticness and how unworthy we are that we, we just say, I, I'm not going to be a part of it because I'm so dirty. I'm so unworthy. And I mean, think if Peter had done that. If he had said, I've denied him. I've done all this. I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm done. We wouldn't have the church. <laughs> He's the one that said, I know who I am. I'm a sinner among sinners. But you know what? I'm here. I'm available. Use me. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, the man that 24 hours prior to that didn't even have the ability or the courage to acknowledge that he knew Jesus. Mm. He just said, okay, by your spirit, God, I'm, I'm whatever you want me to be. Preaches a five-minute message and 3,000 people get saved because he's available. Yeah. Make yourself available. God, I want to be used by you, even if it's with one person. Who is in my garden for this next season? Who is it that God's asked me to pour into in my school, in my neighborhood, in my job? Don't make it a big thing. Who are the two or three, four people? And write them down in your book or your Bible or your, your journal, whatever it is. Write them down and say, God, who is it? And you start figuring out ways to get Jesus into them to create intimacy into them. That's so good. Um, do you have anything else you want to share? Uh, um, or maybe, uh, maybe you just pray. Well, you're asking a pastor if he has anything. Yeah. To well. Share. Okay. All right. Uh, I uh, never mind. I, I know. I know the answer to that. Yeah. But is there anything else on your heart that 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 you feel impressed to share? Um, you have a word for someone? Anything? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've shared. There's a couple yeah. people here that I, I know the Lord is is uh, wants you to know, and I think as long as I share it that way, I don't need to yeah. point anyone out. Um, there's there's. I'm going to get emotional because when God starts speaking to me about things, sometimes I just... I never cry. I'm, once again, it's like, God, I don't even know why you use me in these things. Um, but there's someone here that you feel like your, your past uh, has, has put a label on you that you're damaged goods and that you really can't be used. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Yes. I was in a youth group one time. Oh, thank you. Bringing a police officer, Kleenex, my goodness. I was in a youth group one time, and this youth pastor was trying to create a scenario, and he took a perfect rose, and he, he gave it to the person on the front row of the youth room, and they just started passing the rose around. And at the end, after about 60 people had, had handled the rose, there wasn't even hardly any petals left on it. And so what he was saying was when you expose yourself to the world, you know, you get, you get tore up. And so at the end, he holds a rose up and says, you know, who would want this? And I stood up and shouted, Jesus would want it. <laughs> yeah, I messed his sermon all up, but it doesn't matter. I'll tell you who wants it is Christ. You, you cannot let your past dictate your future. You can't. And either what he said on the cross was it is finished or it's not. Either he did enough or he didn't. And sometimes we say that we're so unworthy that, God, you're, you're not going to use me. You're not going to show up for me. And quite honestly, you have a right not to show up for me because I know who I am, right? I know what I've done and everything. I know my past. I know what I think. I know my habits. You would have a right not to use me. I mean, Pastor Mark... Pastor Christian, they walk on water. We know that. You know, they, he, would, he could use them. You they know. know better than that. Yeah, I've been with him long enough. I know better, too. Yeah. But <laughs> am I resonating with someone? You're not worthy. Of course you're not worthy. And so I disqualify myself. I'm, God can't use me the way he uses Pastor Mark, the way he uses someone else, the way he uses Karen or anybody in here. God just can't use me that way. So I see what you're saying, David. This is God speaking to you. So what you're telling me is what I did on the cross wasn't enough for you. Mm -hmm. That you need to be punished just a little bit more. Is that true? 
No. <laughs> no, God, what you did to your son is enough. And when he said, it is finished, he meant your past sins, your present sins have been paid for, taken care of. The debt has been paid in full. You get to live your life in freedom now. And watch God use you just like he's used so many inadequate, unworthy people throughout Scripture. And so whoever you are in this area or whoever you know that you have disqualified yourself from the past, you're thinking you are damaged goods, that you're no good, you're not pure enough any longer. That word purity is strong. It can be for a man or a woman. That is a lie from the devil because he's scared that when you start engaging, hell's going to get shook up. So don't listen to those lies any longer. Stand up and be ready. Say, Lord, in spite of me, I'm ready to be used. And he'd say, let's rock and roll. Hmm. Let's go just chase hell with a water pistol. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Wow, that, that is so good, Pastor David. Um, would you go ahead and would you mind praying for us? Yeah, that would be great. Father, I just thank you for these people that are gathered here. Lord, I thank you for the hearts that are here. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for this community, for Kima, for this church. God, I just pray that they would spend the rest of their lives trying to discover how much you love them. That it's your love that changes us. It's your love that wants us to come and give that away to someone else so that they can experience what we experience. And Father, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, even now you begin to illuminate in their hearts who's in their garden for this next season. Yes. Who is it that you've brought to them from divine appointments that they can help impart Christ into them and that they would be bold enough to write those down and take on that task? Father, even in addition to that, that you would begin to bring divine appointments to them, Lord, words of encouragement throughout the day, that they would be used as your instrument in ministry and that they would understand that they, they are a discipler as well as they're being discipled. Father, we thank you that you, for whatever reason, chose to use us. We don't understand, but we do accept the call. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. We do not take our eyes off of you. We look to you as the author and finisher of our faith, of our lives, and we know that you're still writing the pages of our hearts. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor David, thank you so much. Thank you, I love you too. Thank you. Well.